This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 200, Friendship Part 2. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a citizen of heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for coming back again. This is more of my conversation with Kenny Embry, Adam Shanks, and Jacob Hudgens on the topic of friendship. In this episode, we wrap up a month of conversation centered around Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. How healthy are our friendships? Should we be serving them at the expense of our own welfare? And when, if ever, is it appropriate to cut someone completely out of our lives, even a brother or sister in Christ? One last time with Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Rule 3. Make friends of people who want the best for you. Dr. Peterson is skeptical at best of efforts to rescue people. Yes, he argues, Jesus befriended sinners. Quote, but Christ was the archetypal perfect man, and you're you. How do you know that your attempts to pull someone up won't instead pull them or you further down? End quote. I'm certainly not considering Jordan Peterson to be a voice of authority equal to Jesus. But is there a time for us to back away from toxic acquaintances? And if so, when? I think there are definitely times that we need to get away from, quote-unquote, toxic people. Part of it has to do with the intention of the people that are around you. When you start thinking about the two extremes on this, number one, surrounding yourselves yourself with people who share none of your values. And that's dangerous because they will probably unintentionally draw you away from things that are actually important. Why? Because values aren't shared just one way. Values are actually shared two ways. The people that you are surrounded by will start shaping what you think and what you do by virtue of them being there. And that's sometimes a good thing and sometimes it's a very dangerous thing. By the same token, there's on the opposite extreme a problem with surrounding yourself with people with exactly the same values. We call that echo chambers. And really what happens in echo chambers is the minute differences become magnified and we start majoring in minors that here's something that really doesn't make all that much difference at all. And that, that you, what you have to do is you have to start thinking about what's really important, what counts and what doesn't. Some of my students or some, some of my friends, they have really strong feelings about iPhone. They had really strong feelings about DC versus Marvel. Who cares? But I mean, you can make those differences if if you want to basically make your friends based on whether there's a blue bubble or a, a green bubble by their name in your chat. That's dumb. That's just flat out dumb. I do think we need to be aware of the echo chamber effect uh, that we end up surrounding ourselves with people that are just like us and we don't get the blessing of having an outside perspective or even Jesus' mission of outreach to those outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, We lose that. And so we do end up arguing with each other and fighting about things that don't matter like uh, Android and Apple or whatever. (laughs) Uh, So I want to take a moment about this idea of toxic. I do think this is kind of a buzzword in our time. And uh, I read an article this last week called That's It, You're Dead to Me in the Atlantic. And it talked about uh, this growing propensity for any time we have a disagreement or any 
kind of a clash. Somebody does something I don't like or hurts my feelings. I call them toxic and I label them and then I, I just cut off the relationship. This happens a lot, especially in the millennial generation where even family relationships that are not just what we want them to be, you know, somebody is of a different political party than we are, or somebody doesn't like some lifestyle choice we've made and we cut them off uh, because they're toxic. So I think we need to be a little more specific about what we mean by toxic people. What is it about their behavior that is detrimental to me? So uh, to me, that comes down to a couple of things. One is Jesus' warning uh, in Matthew 7 about people who are what he calls dogs or pigs, people who we don't cast our pearls before swine. We don't give them an opportunity to basically not only trample what we believe is important, but also turn and hurt us. Uh, so there's a harm, danger. There's a proverb, uh, Proverbs 22, 24 to 25, where it says, make no friendship with a man given to anger nor go with a wrathful man. And so you, you hear that and you say, okay, well, don't, don't be friends with an angry man. But the, the reasoning is important. He says, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So if you're around angry people all the time, guess what you're going to tend to become? So yes, it's important to have that vision like Jesus did of outreach uh, that we want to try to help other people. But we can't be naive about the fact that our our inputs are going to affect us and the people that we're closest to are going to in some way affect our character and who we end up being. So we can't just label everybody as toxic, but at the same time, we can't just accept everybody and say, you know, all people are good for us to be very close to because there are some dangers involved in that. My difficulty with this is that we have varying definitions of how we should respond to a lot of this stuff. And I go back and I look at Jesus and I look at the different passages of scripture, like evil companions corrupt good morals. We've heard that probably all of us since we were little kids, because we were told it matters who you're with and who you're friends with. And you want to be with people who are going to make you better. But then you've got Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and people like that. And so you look at the way Jesus acted and what you find is Jesus's definition of toxic people wasn't those who needed help. It was those who didn't want help. I think that has to be part of this discussion. Our job is to help people. Now, maybe yeah. not rescue people like, like Peterson talks about, but our job is to help people. Our job is to point them the right direction. And you find the people who want help. As soon as you get an indication that they have no interest in help or they have no interest in better things, kingdom things, well, then you've got an easy decision to make. You know, I'm a kingdom citizen. I'm going to be with kingdom citizens. But if you find somebody who who's different than you, who has a different standard than you, a different moral code than you, that does not necessarily give you a reason to excommunicate those people. And that, that's really the way I see all of this. I've seen it a lot in the church where we kind of have this attitude of, well, I don't like you, so I'm just not going to be around you. And that's not okay, especially in the church. You know, my job is to bridge gaps and build relationships in the church. Even if there's somebody I don't particularly care for, I got to learn to care for them because mm -hmm. that's what it means to be family. That's what it means to be a flock. I try to always be careful because of the example of Jesus. 
Jesus was with people who was not, who were not like him at all. <laughs> like you could not be further away from Jesus than be the prostitute who makes her business on the street corner. But that prostitute that wanted help, that demon possessed man who wanted help, that blind person and beggar who wanted help, Jesus was there with them all day long. There's a, an exercise that I do in class and it's, it's three paragraphs, and they're exactly the same paragraphs. And it talks about a student that's getting in trouble, and the student gets kicked out. But there's only one word that I change. Well, it's, it's a phrase. One of the phrases is, Jimmy was a bully. The second was, Jimmy was a good boy. One half the class has Jimmy as a bully, and one half the class has Jimmy as a good boy. <laughs> and when you ask him at the end of this, was the school right in kicking Jimmy out of school? You just divide it right down the middle. It depends on how they saw Jimmy. And the, the, the same actions, the same actions, either justify your, 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 uh, the, the things that you do that are punishment, or they don't. We are in a culture now that loves labeling things. And you want to talk about cancel culture? Look, here's the thing. And it, one of the things that I, I really worry about is, is the term bully. When I was growing up, we had the term jerk. And one of the things that you recognized was all of us are jerks sometimes. And when you recognize that you're a jerk sometimes, it makes you awfully sympathetic. But when this person is a bully, boy, they, now they become fair game for everybody. We kind of have done the same thing with center, which is I am one. But when you talk about somebody who's lost, oh, that's different. Or that they're of the world, oh, that's different. And now I feel fair game to condemn them. But recognize there's not much difference, if any, between you and them. And maybe you need to start rethinking those labels and start, and I hate to say this exactly this way, but love them more. Because love will help you identify with those people. Yeah. I, I think it's important that you do distance yourself from things that you will be influenced by. And I think it's important for you to embrace people that you can help. I'm looking at this quote from Peterson and uh, I'm like, Kenny, I have two different reactions. One is I understand what he's saying. There's a part of just kind of individual survival where you have to say, spiritually, emotionally, even financially, that sometimes people are not good for you. And yeah. I think we all have to recognize that. But then you also have, I, I just find this to be cold to a point of um, being unchristian. You know, Adam said, we're here to help people. Yeah. So where is helping in this, this idea that anybody who I try to pull up is only going to pull me down? Uh, I mean, who gets help? If no one above them tries to pull them up, yeah. how can we help each other? And so I feel like there has to be a different, like we're Christians. I, I don't pull them up, but I can connect them to Jesus. Jesus can pull them up. I'm going to care about them. Maybe it's a maturity issue because sometimes I hear this language in our young people that they want to have their worldly friends and then they don't realize that they're going to be influenced away from what's good by their worldly friends. Maybe we need to be a little more mature and a little more stable before we're able to reach out in an effective way and let our influence be for good on others instead of their influence be for bad on us. So maybe there, that's the answer to it is maturity. But I think there has to be a different perspective than just the coldness of 
you're not helping me, so you're out. And the coldness of, if I try to help you, you're going to pull me down. Yes, that can happen. But if that's our perspective, man, I, I just can't see Jesus in that. Yeah. Well, I also think it makes a difference in the nature of the relationship that you're dealing with. You know, just recently I was doing some counseling with a young man who's really struggling with his wife because his wife deals with several mental issues. And, you know, there, there, there have been things that have come out in their marriage that he didn't know when he married her, you know, things yeah. from history and things that, you know, damage that had been done and trauma that had been suffered. And, and honestly, in a lot of ways, she's a drag on him that he was not expecting to have. But because of the nature of their relationship, he's in it. Like he, he, there's no walking away from that. You've got to deal with it because the relationship is a permanent relationship. And I think there, you know, in the prompt that you gave us, you said toxic acquaintances. You know, there's a big difference between a toxic acquaintance, a toxic friend, a toxic brother or sister in Christ, or a toxic family member. And if we kind of carte blanche, just say when someone talks it, get them out of your life, which there are people who teach that you run a real risk. You know, are there people that we can easily avoid? Sure. There are other people we can't. Yeah. I struggle myself, just, just me personally. And that, that, that should cause you to just ignore the next 10 seconds, but I struggle myself with, dismissing people or canceling people because they are not good for me because I still have a responsibility to be good for them. And so while I might put up boundaries and limitations, I'm not going to cancel. You go back to first Corinthians chapter seven, and there's that principle of if you're a married woman is married to an unbeliever and he decides to stay, then you stay in that relationship because how do you know if you won't be the positive influence that will bring them to Christ? Mm-hmm. And so there is that opportunity that might be there for you to be that positive influence on them, not to rescue them, but like Jacob said, to be the bridge that brings them to Christ. Yeah. Let Christ fix them. And then who knows what could happen moving forward with that. Uh, again, it, 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 you've got to be super careful. Um, especially in those relationships, because you don't want them to cause you to become less of what Jesus wants you to be. But I think we run a risk of when we cancel people out that that causes us to be less than what Jesus intends us to be. There's something of a litmus test where is it okay with you if somebody comes to a different conclusion that you do? In conservative churches of Christ, I don't ever know of a time when when we like the idea of divorce. But one of the things that I do know is there are times when divorce is the right answer, yeah. when when divorce is, is is really the only reasonable answer. But, I mean, I don't like that. I don't know anybody who does. And how how okay are you with somebody who, who says, you know, yeah, I am going to get a divorce. Okay. And how, how comfortable are you going to be around that person anymore? Mm-hmm. That's hard for me. There's an episode that I'm thinking about doing that I'm calling exit interviews, talking to people who have left uh, Christianity. And what was their reason? 
did they did they have a problem with the philosophy or did they have a problem with the people? My suspicion is it's probably going to be mostly the people that what they're going to see is the toxic relationship were us that we were the toxic people in their lives. It seems like we've been approaching the idea of toxicity from a couple of different standpoints here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on how we define the idea of your life, right? Toxic in the in the most basic of senses, you're talking about something that threatens or perhaps ends your life. That might be a permanent uh, problem, might be the end of it. The first conversation that we were having about these the cancel culture, just yeah. at the drop of a hat, ending somebody, ghosting them, uh, canceling them. These people's lives are essentially the same thing as their comfort, right? I have my world that I like. I don't want to have that shaken up at all. I don't want to hear about problems. I certainly don't want to hear about your problems. And um, there's no way I'm going to let your problems be on my problems. And so when I get to a point in this relationship where you're making me feel bad or you're making me feel uncomfortable or whatever, I'm going to end that because you are toxic. Right. And I think we've all come to an agreement on that, that that is, it's selfish, it's very narrow, and it has nothing to do with the gospel. The converse of that, coming at the idea of toxicity from a Christian standpoint, if there is a relationship in your life that is threatening your heavenly citizenship, if it is threatening your eternal salvation, that is a very different issue than I'm uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm very much on board with, with what you fellows are saying with regard to how you end or address a relationship like that, because we are family. And whether it's working out for us or not in this family is not the only issue. It's not even the main issue in this situation. I think that we need to acknowledge toxic relationships. I think that's what church discipline is all about. I think that's what correction is all about. Uh, pretending like it's not there isn't going to help anybody. But to go to an extreme of absolutely ghosting a brother or sister in Christ because of their belief, because of their practice or whatever, that's not the Bible pattern. Right. The Bible pattern talks about admonishing this one as a brother. The relationship is different, but the relationship is still there. And is that not exactly what Jesus does for us with regard to our citizenship? Is Jesus going to cancel us when we're not up to snuff? We're not saying that we are, in fact, up to snuff because we're not. Right. But Jesus isn't going to quit on us in that moment. Right. And maybe we jump to the conclusion of, cutting people off because of bad performance considerably more easily than we should. I'm right right there with you. I think there's a little bit though to add some nuance. It's not about does anybody in our lives mess up or do anything that hurts us. If we're going to define toxic, I think we have to define toxic even in a church as somebody who is actively harming and someone who is refusing to change. And you do have those people in the New Testament. And you're right, there is discipline that's advised for them. Like I'm thinking of all the divisive warnings, you know, against divisiveness in the church. Yeah. 
and there are people like this, and sometimes they show up in our fellowship, they are hurting people, maybe not physically, but they keep hurting people when they do that. Maybe they're breaking trust over and over again. Maybe they're consistently negative and undermining the work that's going on. Uh, Maybe they're bad-mouthing the elders all the time or spreading gossip around, whatever it is. I consider that to be a toxic thing, Uh, but it's not toxic because it's just a sin. It's toxic because when you approach them and you try to address it, they don't change. There's no acknowledgement. We're not trying. We don't say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be that way. I want to do better and then struggle with it or whatever. It's just, this is who they are and it's who they want to be. (laughs) And so I do think, I see that in the same way as that warning about don't cast your pearls before swine. They're going to hurt you. And in the same way, they're going to hurt the church. And so there, there is a sense in which we work with them and we try to help, but like you have to call a spade a spade at some point. That's just who they are. And uh, until they're willing to change, that's what you have to do. But what I want to stress is there's a difference in that. And then somebody that one time that said that thing that really bothered me, or they insulted my wife and, uh, you know, or they said something about my kids or their kids didn't get along with my kids or we just don't like each other. And so they're toxic because in some way I had a cross interaction with them and to me, those are two totally different animals. And I, I suspect that we're much more tempted to call the second category toxic people, the people that I just don't always see eye to eye with, or the people like Kenny mentioned, who come to a different conclusion than I do, than people who are legitimately in some kind of problem that they refuse to come out of. If I'm going to say there are people I need to cut out of my life, it's those people that won't repent. And there's damage that is a result of that, that those are the people I, I just can't get too close to. I would add to that one more criteria, which is people who are trying to get you to join them in their sin. Peter talks a lot about that in 1 Peter three different times in that those five chapters about the sins that the Gentiles slander you about because you're no longer involved in those things and they're trying to pull you back into that. That's toxic. Yeah. Because I think it was Kenny that said earlier, they're putting your kingdom citizenship at risk. You know, you still live as you're supposed to live. You still put the boundaries where they need to be so that you are not jeopardizing your own salvation or your own place in the kingdom and let God sort that out. That was Hal that mentioned about citizenship. <laughs> yeah, Kenny would have said he threw you off balance. I, I don't know That's why I'm said. surprised by that. That's uh, <laughs> Well, I'll give you an example of what we're talking about there. Not a church that I was associated with, but one that I knew in a general sort of sense. Uh, there was a an element, I was going to say faction, we'll get to faction in a second. There was an element in the church that was very much supportive, let's just put it that way, supportive of the idea of social drinking. A significant number, I don't know how many, but but a significant number, including relatively prominent members. And church leadership was not supportive of it. And it came up, especially in the context of a, of a new member or a new convert, I forget exactly the details. And uh, Afterward, after the the church took its public position on this, the people in question took the uh, the person who had asked the question aside and took them to a bar and drank with them socially and explained why leadership was wrong. I have come to appreciate that the attitude of that kind of element, that kind of faction, because that's what it is, is a lot worse than the social drinking. 
I have my opinions on the social drinking. I'm sure that you do as well. But the idea that I am going to not only hold a view that is different from leadership in the local church, not only am I going to practice things that are contrary to leadership's teachings, I'm going to actively subvert their effectiveness with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the definition of toxic right there. You cannot have a functional family relationship when you got stuff like that going on behind the scenes. You've been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.